the scripture reading for this morning is 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 7 to 16 from the life of David. Uh, Kia is going to share that on the share the passage on the chat box. She's probably already shared it. And she's also going to read it out for us. Um, over to you, Kia. 1 Samuel 23, 7 to 16. Saul was told that David had gone to Keilah. And he said, God has delivered him, David, into my hands. But David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, he said to Abiathar the priest, Bring the ephod. David said, Lord, God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Kela and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Kela surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord, God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will. Again, David asked, will the citizens of Kela surrender me and my men to Saul? And the Lord said, they will. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Kayla and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kayla, he did not go there. David stayed in the wilderness strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. This is the word of God. Amen. Uh, we are now in the second part of a New Year's sermon series on the theme of faithfulness. Last week, as we kicked off the series, we reflect, reflected on the truth that grace is not just a gift that is given to us. It is also a trust that is assigned to us. Uh, we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 22, which says that it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Each of us, we've been given the gift of salvation. We've been entrusted by God himself with the gospel the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And just we have received forgiveness, we're also called to live lives of faithfulness. So last week we saw that God's forgiveness must also inspire us to live lives of faithfulness. And this week we're going to be looking at an often neglected aspect of faithfulness, which is making ourselves available to good gospel friendships. David and Jonathan here in the passage are, are one of the best examples of true gospel friendship. So David, as we saw from the passage, was going through an extremely difficult time. He, he was hunted by Saul for no fault of this. He had spent years running away from Saul. Um, hiding in the wilderness as a fugitive. David was, in this passage we read, David was hiding in a desert 
and, and Saul had come, he was probably encamped outside the desert with an army to hunt down David like an animal and, and, and kill him. It was in this season that Jonathan, who was actually the son of Saul, it is in this season that Jonathan helped David find strength in the Lord. This is the hallmark, the highlight of good gospel friendships. Gospel friends help each other find their strength in the Lord. As we look at gospel friendship through the lives of David and Jonathan and through the friendship they enjoyed, I'd like to draw three things out for us from this passage. First, the desperate need for gospel friendships. Second, discerning between true and fake gospel friendships. And third, making a lasting commitment to build gospel friendships. Three things. The desperate need for gospel friendships, learning to discern between true and fake gospel friendship, and making a lasting commitment to gospel friendship. Let's start with the first thing, the desperate need for gospel friendship. Uh, you know, whenever we think of faithfulness, we tend to think of faithfulness as a, a kind of a one-way relationship between us and God. God has forgiven us, so we must be faithful to him. But we tend to view faithfulness as this one-on-one relationship between us and God. And that, but that's a wrong and incomplete view of faithfulness. Even a very casual reading of the New Testament will help us see that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of commands like love one another, care for one another, encourage one another, bear with one another, forgive one another, confess your sins to one another, and so on and so forth. Or even the verse that Felix and Taro picked for the call to worship this morning, sing psalms to one another. The Bible, the New Testament is full of these one another phrases. In fact, there are actually 94 verses in the New Testament that call us to love and care for one another. And so just as everyone of us had received forgiveness individually from God, the forgiveness that was purchased for us by the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus, and everyone, even as everyone of us are called to receive forgiveness individually, we are called to live in faithfulness in a community of believers. And that's not all. Within this larger community of the local church, each of us are called to invest in a, in a few close gospel friendships. Christ himself models this for us. And he was available to thousands. He was available to the crowds that thronged to see him, experience his healing, listen to his teaching. But Luke chapter 10 also tells us that there were 72 disciples that Jesus was closer to. And within that, there were the 12 apostles. And even within the 12, there were the three disciples, Peter, James, and John, that he was even more close to. For example, when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, where he was, Jesus was transfigured, he took only Peter, James, and John with him. Yes, Jesus lived in community, 
But as much as he loved everyone, without exception in the community and in the crowd, he also had a few deep friendships. We all need really good, deep, authentic, lasting gospel friendships. Do you have any? Who would you call a deep gospel friend? Let's let's pause. We're just beginning 2022. Let's look back at 2021. Did you experience and grow in gospel friendships last year? Was there a brother or a sister in each of our lives that we really made ourselves vulnerable? Where was there a closer group of two, three of us to whom we really made ourselves vulnerable? Someone you cared for and helped find strength in the Lord. Someone who cared for you and helped you find strength in the Lord. Can you, can you immediately think of at least one, at least, other than your spouse, of course, which is the, which is the, the pinnacle of gospel friendships in marriage. Um, but other than that, even for those of us who are married, um, we need gospel friendships outside of the marriage. So is there at least one such friend in your life? Let me, let me tell you something. This might kind of really make you pause, but it is true. It is possible to be in a church that is rich in gospel community, but poor in authentic gospel friendship. It is possible to be in a church that is rich in gospel community, but poor in gospel friendship. Oh, I know we're a church that loves to hang out together. We hang out every Sunday uh, after the service for lunch. Uh, we even stay back after the Zoom service. Um, the worship team hangs out every Friday. All that is good. We need more of those. Absolutely, yes. But more over and above this gospel community, we also need to develop a few really deep and authentic gospel friendships. During the course of the sermon, I, I really hope to define what a gospel friendship really looks like. I'm also hoping to paint for us a picture of a gospel friendship, of what gospel friendships look like. And at the end of it, I also hope to leave us with a tool, a very simple and practical tool that's really going to help us uh, invest in building these gospel friendships. But for now, let me say this. It is possible to live in gospel community without having gospel friendships. You heard me right. And, and this living in gospel community without really experiencing and enjoying God, deep gospel friendships is a sure sign of gospel stagnation. You see, if you're living in a rich gospel community, but don't really have good and authentic gospel friendships, it is highly likely 
that we are experiencing gospel stagnation. The gospel can only go so deep in our hearts in the absence of good gospel virtues. Let me explain this. You know, some of us sometimes, actually most of us, most of the times, we want to hear the soothing voice of the gospel being, of the gospel proclaiming forgiveness over our souls without really loving the gospel to deal with the sin in our hearts. You know, many years ago, I was involved in a bike accident. I, I fell, it was nothing serious, thankfully. Uh, I fell off a bike and, and, and the momentum of the bike actually, the, of the motorcycle, dragged my knee and elbows across the surface of the road for a good 10 to 15 feet. Uh, the skin on my elbows and my knees tore away. I, I could see my flesh. I, I could also see the tar from the road and all the dirt of the road covering my, my open wounds. The, the pain was searing, unbearable pain. And I, I somehow managed to drive uh, to the nearest hospital. I was almost fainting with pain. I was so thankful I managed to reach the hospital. Uh, just found a place where I could lay down so that I don't fall off fainting. And I thought, finally, I'm going to get some help. And at the hospital, to my utter horror, I saw this nurse walk with me with tongs, cotton, and a bottle of tincture in her hand. I need to clean your wounds, she said. You know what tincture does to you, right? It's going to aggravate your searing pain. I realized when I saw the tongs and the cotton in her hand, I realized she was not just going to pour the tincture over my wounds, she's actually going to take the cotton and scrape my wounds clean. The moment I saw the tincture, I thought that I was going to die in pain. I, I begged with her, I pleaded, I wailed, I almost wept. Please don't clean my wound. Just, just put some soothing ointment, cover up the wound. I begged her. Just put some soothing ointment, cover up the root, my wound, and let me go. Don't clean it. Don't clean my wound. The proclamation of the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, which we proclaim faithfully every Sunday, this proclamation of the gospel puts a soothing balm of grace over our wounds. We need it. We also need gospel friendships, cheap gospel friendships, authentic gospel friendships, one-on-one, -on -one, two, three people together. To actually clean the wounds of our sins inside out. You know, the reason I freaked out when, when I saw the nurse wanting to clean my wounds is the same reason we all prefer to enjoy gospel community without really getting involved 
in authentic gospel friendships. We only want the soothing balm of grace to cover up our wounds. We don't want it clean. We don't want our wounds of sin to be clean inside inside out. In a gospel community, we can live for years, year after year after year, for many years, merely listening to the soothing proclamation of grace without ever having our wounds of grace also cleaned inside. This can happen only in gospel friendships. We all need good, loving, authentic gospel friends in our lives. We're going to help us clean the wounds of our sin inside out. This inside out cleaning of our sins, this, this applying of the gospel to the depths of our hearts, to the darkest recesses of the sinfulness of our hearts, cannot happen in mere community. It, the community sets the environment for it. The, the community, the gospel community, builds a platform for it. It gives us the tools for it. But we need to invest and grow in deep gospel friendships between three people with whom we can be absolutely vulnerable to in order to really grow in this. So this is what I meant when I said gospel stagnation. So we are experiencing gospel stagnation when we know the gospel, but we only want the gospel to patch up ours. And we don't want the gospel to clean up our wounds of sin from inside out. If we live like this, enjoying gospel community, but not really growing in gospel friendship, then the grace of Jesus is, is only going to soak into our hearts a little. It's only going to go in so much. A deep, deep, deep penetration of the gospel into our hearts can happen only through honest, vulnerable, broken conversations between friends. I wish the Bible had told us more about this conversation between Jonathan and David. I wish the account was more uh, vivid. All we are told is that Jonathan and David find strength in the Lord. We need one another. We need good, close gospel friendships to help one another find strength in the Lord. When was the last time you made yourself vulnerable and had a deep conversation with somebody in the church? When was the last time you prayed with a gospel friend, confessing your sinfulness, confessing your struggles, confessing our faithlessness? When was the last time you let your guard down? When was the last time we kept our pretensions aside? When was the last time we became undone in the close 
can save space of authentic gospel friendship. You know, I, I began to see my own need for gospel friendship. To be honest, last year, I, I began to, at the beginning of last year, it was actually Aji who helped me see it. She, she kept telling me, and she probably kept telling me for a year, saying, um, Anand, you need to build gospel friends. You need to build deep gospel friendships with other, other men. I mean, all this preaching in church, all that's, you know, leading the church, all that's good. But you need to invest in good gospel friendships. You know, that was a gospel friend, Aji, my wife, speaking the truth to my heart. Truth I probably didn't want to hear. And so for the, through the better part of last year, I, I made an intention. I really intentionally began to invest with three other men uh, with whom I spend a couple of hours every month. We meet every month. We spend a good two hours together. And we're investing and we are growing in a gospel friendship. And I've been so blessed by these times. Uh, they're all other pastors. So, so we can share one another's burdens with each other. Uh, the last time we met, which was in December, uh, we spoke about sexual temptation. We confessed our sins with one to one another. We prayed for each other. Authentic, deep, vulnerable. How about you? When was the last time you, you confessed your sinfulness to a true gospel friend? You can be an impactful preacher. You can be a loving pastor. You can be the most anointed worship leader. You can be the most humble servant in the church. But if we don't have a few really good gospel friends, we are likely, most likely, experiencing gospel stagnation. Without gospel friendships, the gospel goes only so deep into our hearts. And so that's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us today. The desperate, desperate, desperate need for gospel friendships. The second thing I wanted to draw out for us is discerning between true and fake gospel friendships. You know, we're all vulnerable to, to mistaking uh, friendships to be true gospel friendships. And as we intentionally invest in building these gospel friendships, we need to be wise enough to discern and make sure that what we are growing in is indeed the gospel friendship and, and not some kind of a cheap substitute. And the passage we read helps us discern that. Verse 16, when David was at Horesh in, in the desert of Zip, he learned that Saul had come to take his life and Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. So I'd like to draw three key factors that, that make the real difference between gospel friendships, true gospel friendships, and, and, and you know, cheap substitutes. First, Jonathan helped David find strength, not just comfort. Strength, not just comfort. You know, as we saw, David was in a really bad situation. And, and Jonathan could have easily led David through the path of cribbing and, and bitterness and, and just, just merely venting. 
you know, we, we've all done that. Just get together with someone and crib and crib and crib and crib to each other. Jonathan could have just pampered David. He could have said, bro, my dad has given you hell. This is so hard. I, I really want to treat you to a good massage. You need to treat yourself. Let's, let's go shopping. Let's get your hair done. Let's, let's get a couple of drinks. It's, it's going to make you better. I want to make you feel better. That's not what Jonathan did. He helped David find strength, not just comfort. Please don't hear me wrong. I mean, let, me, let me finish what I'm saying. I'm not at all saying comfort is, is not important. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. Comfort is the first step. Comforting uh, someone who's in pain is absolutely the most important, the first thing to do. I'm, what I am saying is we must not stop with mere comfort. Good gospel friends do comfort one another, but they also strengthen one another. So if someone walks up to, uh, walks up to you and says, uh, you know, I've had a really rough month at my workplace. Of course, we empathize with comfort. We enter their world. We feel their pain. We don't just talk there. Good gospel friends follow that up with sensitive and thoughtful questions. I wonder why God is loving this. Would you like for us to pray together for five minutes every day for the next week? Would that be of help? Would that help you find strength to go through the season of, of uh, uh, difficulty in, in your workplace? Is there any way I can come alongside and just stand with you so, to help you find strength in Christ during this difficult season? Strength, not just comfort. That's the first thing. First thing that differentiates between a good gospel friendship and a, and a cheap substitute. If it's only comfort, if we, if it's just, oh, come, I, you, I'll make you, I'll help you feel better. That's not a gospel friendship. Second, Jonathan helped David find strength in the law. I mean, to me, this, this just, there's so much fact in this. Jonathan helped David find strength in God. Jonathan did not help David find his inner strength. You've got it in you, man. You can, you, you can deal with it. You can, you can. No, no, no. That's not what. That's not what Jonathan did. Jonathan also did not offer his strength to David. You see, the word says Jonathan did not strengthen David. He did not say, he did not draw David to himself and say, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to pray with you. And, and I have strength in Christ. I'm going to impart my strength in Christ to you. No, that's not what Jonathan did. John, Jonathan helped David find strength in God. Can, can you see the difference here? Jonathan is pointing David to Christ Jesus. He's pointing David to God. Jonathan is telling David, I cannot give my strength to you. I'm not going to call you to find strength in me, David. I'm going to point you to God. I'm going to point you to Jesus. We cannot encourage people to find strength in themselves. You've got it, bro. That's no good. We cannot encourage people to find strength in us. People want to, 
you know, when they're in trouble, they will keep calling you, they will keep running to you, you know, for that band-aid to be patched and then they'll, they'll move on. So we cannot allow people to find strength in us, but we need to encourage people to find strength in Christ. We've got good gospel friends point each other to Christ and the word of God. And, and when we call something, when we think of something as a gospel friendship, but there is no engagement, there's no uh, joint enjoyment of God's word together, maybe that gospel friendship really needs to grow in the gospel. Good gospel friendships is the, the, the what keeps a gospel friendship together is God revealing himself to us through his word. Second way we can discern between good gospel friendships and cheap substitutes. Third, good gospel friendships will never isolate us from gospel community. You know, we all have this inclination. You know, when we find two, three friends we really connect with, you know, there's a risk of that becoming a click. That there's a risk of that, you know, this can be, and we've seen it happen. I've seen it happen so many times. And, and, and slowly before you realize it, this, this gospel friendship, this two, three, I wouldn't even call that gospel friendship, this, this click that has formed kind of becomes delinked, uh, kind of becomes, kind of pulls away from the rest of the community. You know, they have their own private jokes. They have their own thing going and the engagement with the rest of the community becomes less and less. This becomes more and more. You know, we, we're seeing gospel community and gospel friends, friendship flowing together. There's two risks here. The first risk, which I talked about earlier, is enjoying gospel community and not enjoying gospel friendship. The opposite risk also holds equally true. Enjoying gospel friendship, but pulling away from gospel community. We've got to be engaged in, in both. So those are three ways in which we can discern if our friendships are truly gospel friendships or they are just cheap substitutes. First, gospel friends strengthen one another, not just comfort one another. Second, uh, gospel friends uh, help each other find strength in God, not in themselves. And third, gospel, gospel friendship will never isolate us from gospel community. That brings us to the third and the last thing that I want to close with this morning. Making a lasting commitment to gospel friendship. Kind of getting into real practical application here. First, I want to paint a practical picture of what gospel friendship really looks like. And then I want to leave us with a very simple tool. I'm very excited about this tool. First, let me paint the picture of gospel friendship. Gospel friendship must include five things. First, gospel friendship has to be built on the word of God. It has to be built on the gospel. And, you know, we've got to, of course, we can hang out with each other. Of course, we can get a drink with one another. Of course, we can go out with each other. Of course, we can play with each other. Of course, we can watch a movie together. We can do all of those things. We must do all of those things. We must also really invest in enjoying the word of God with one another. That's the first thing. 
Second, good gospel friends genuinely care for one another. That means we invest in each other emotionally. It's not possible for each of us to invest deeply emotionally in everybody else in the community. It's not possible. But there, are two, there should be two, three people at least. Uh, to invest emotionally in another person is, means to enter their world. Means to enter their world with empathy, with compassion. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Mourn with those who are mourning. Feel their pain. Feel their joy. Care for one. Third, good gospel friends encourage one another. And uh, this is gospel encouragement. This is not saying things like, go baby, go. You can do it. You've got it in you. You're going to kill it. No, no, no. That's not the kind of encouragement we're talking about. We're talking about how Jonathan helped David find strength in the Lord. You see, all of us, all of us are very vulnerable to forget what Jesus has done for us. We forget the reality, the full weight of what Jesus has already done for us. We do forget how committed Jesus is to us in the present. We do forget the unshakable assurance that Jesus has given for us in the future. To to encourage one another is to remind each other of the hope and the strength and the assurance we have in the gospel of Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus crucified for us, Christ risen, Christ ascended and seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. Gospel friendships encourage one another in Christ. Fourth, gospel friends provoke one another. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 tells us, and let us consider how we may stir up one another to love and good works. The word how we may stir up one another, the word stir there actually means provoke. Uh, You know, if you really stretch it, you can even say it means annoy. Annoy one another till we do something about it. Provoke one another. Gospel friends will absolutely in love speak the truth to each other. They will call us out and they will allow us to call them out on our sinfulness. <coughs> they will provoke us. They will challenge us to deeper faith, to greater faith in Christ Jesus and to a greater living out of our faith. They will tell us when we are cribbing and we are walking on an unhealthy downward spiral. They will not cheer and lead us downhill. They will not do that. The gospel friends provoke one another. And last fifth, and I think the most important, gospel friends repent with one. They repent to one. Repent with one another. The hallmark of gospel friendship is genuine repentance happening in this safe space of gospel friendship. You know, what's the one thing that really comes in the way of friendship? Authentic friendship. It's shame. 
are ashamed of what we've done. We're too ashamed to tell people how weak we really are. We're too ashamed to admit how we've slipped up. And as we hide in our shame, we become less and less open to gospel relationships. That's the beauty of the gospel. You see, we don't have to be ashamed because Jesus has not rejected us in our shame. He knew exactly what we would do when he joyfully laid his life down at the altar, giving up his life as a ransom, as a sacrifice of atonement. He knew the sin he was paying for. And yet, he found it worthwhile to lay his life down for us. The greatest message of the gospel is that we are accepted, we are adopted by God. So as the gospel takes away our shame, we can really experience intimacy. If you remember the creation account in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, they realized they were naked and they felt ashamed. That's what sin does. The gospel wipes out our shame. So that's a picture of gospel friendship. Our true gospel friendships, friends enjoy God's word together. They care for one another. They encourage and strengthen one another in God. They provoke and challenge one another. And they repent to one another. That's a picture of gospel friendship. I want to close with a tool. And as I said, I'm really, <coughs> excuse me, really excited about this tool. Most of us are familiar with what we've been calling so far the Community Bible Reading Journal. Uh, this year, Ted Sin, who, who, who designed the journal, he's kind of given it a complete revamp. Uh, some of you already have it. Uh, it's available. If you need a copy, please reach out to Felix. Please reach out to me. We'll make sure you have a copy. Earlier, the Community Bible Reading Journal had just had one section. But... Uh, the new journal, it's now called Seeing Jesus Together. Uh, it has three sections. The first section is, of course, Seeing Jesus in Solitude, which is pretty much similar to the CBR journal with an addition, with some modifications. The second section is what I'm really excited about. I want to close with uh, just explaining the second section to us. The second section is about seeing Jesus with one another. And essentially, what it does is we, we read through the, a chapter of the Bible together. And then we kind of work our way through whatever we do in the CBR journal. But then there are five questions. Uh, sorry, one, two, three, four, five questions, actually, where we get as we uh, sit and read a chapter of the Bible with one other person or two or three more people, where we kind of not just speak the gospel to our own souls, but we get involved with one another. So the first question is, is care for one another. Based on the chapter of the Bible that we've just read, how can we care for one another? Second, how can we repent to one another? Based on the chapter of the Bible. So this is you sitting with someone. Do it first with your spouse, uh, but also do it with other members of community. Uh, sitting with someone, based on the passage we read, how can we repent to one another? 
Third, how can we encourage one another? How can we remind each other of the great hope we have in the gospel? Next, provoke one another. How can we uh, annoy one another to, to the point of getting us both to, to move into uh, expressing our faith in action? And then discern next steps, things that you could do together to grow in gospel friendship. So this is a completely different section. It's a new section. The third section in the journal, in the Seeing Jesus Together journal, is, is enjoying Jesus in community, the Sunday worship. We'll talk about that another day. But I really want to, 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 to at the very least, get us to try this tool out. Now, this is, this is not rocket science. This is not an absolute uh, this is not the only tool to grow in gospel friendships. I'm sure there are 100 other tools. If you find another tool, please feel free to use it. Um, but this is a tool which we can all own together, so please do try it. And uh, we're really going to kind of create opportunities, create environments uh, for us to really enjoy this tool with one another. You know, for example, when we meet for gospel huddles, uh, we could break out into smaller groups, which we generally do, two, three people kind of coming together Small groups, two, three, four people, and, and, and really doing this with one another. You don't have to wait for the huddle. If you're not able to join the huddle, you, you could just call someone and, and say, hey, would you like to do this together? I mean, that's going to be a beautiful picture of gospel community and gospel friendship. Through the week, people calling each other, loving on one another, and, and they just say, can we do this together? Reading God's word, caring for one another, repenting to one another, encouraging one another, provoking one another. I'm just imagining how much joy and delight this is going to bring to our father's heart. Every time two of his children get together to enjoy him, his heart is going to be filled with joy. Our father delights when we get together to see Jesus more and enjoy Jesus more, which is why he gave his son up for us, that we might enjoy him, that we might eat of him and drink of him, that we might feast on him. Today, would you make a commitment to building deep and lasting gospel friendships, not just in this year, but through your life? Let us pray. Uh, Father, um, I acknowledge my own sinfulness, uh, my own uh, reluctance to uh, invest a lot intentionally, deeply in gospel friendships and how I'm so content enjoying community but not growing enough in gospel friendships. Uh, so we pray in the name of Christ Jesus for every one of us that we will truly grow in gospel friendship. Uh, Lord, seeing the Seeing Jesus Together journal is a tool. Bless the tool. Uh, we don't want to absolutize it. This is just a tool. may be helpful to some, may not be helpful to others. But to others that this tool is not helpful, would you bring other tools, Lord? That every one of us, without exception, would grow in true, genuine gospel friendship. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.